Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods, one minute at a time. We're in Oakland, both of us today, and I'm Heidi Bennett at HeidiBennett.com. Woo, Oaktown! <laughs> I feel like everyone has to do that. If you, yeah. you go into Oakland, you're like, woohoo! <laughs> and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And I'm really happy to be here, and I'm virtually podcasting from Heidi's lap. Yes, <laughs> virtually and almost literally. <laughs> We're real cozied up here in my office. <laughs> it's good. This is a light and bright space. It's a good, good space to be hanging out in. So I'm happy to be here and happy to be doing episode 13 and so today we are going to be covering episode 13. And so the beginning of this episode is a continuation of Chillin' with the Harbinger. And so we have an epic spit take. And then we have an even more epic and gorgeous set of aerial shots of the woods. Yes, quite beautiful. And a lot of beautiful music. I think the music sort of swells in this minute once once we finally get away from, from Mordecai. <laughs> the harbinger <laughs> but while we're, why, while we are still here with mordecai the harbinger i wanted to talk a little bit more about about tim tim desarn i noticed that he's worked with a couple other whedon folk in some other um projects so besides the cabin in the woods he's also worked Worked in something called Better the Devil, which is a short, and Murdered Soul Suspect. Oh, that's a video game as Off Officer Stewart. He was in Newsreaders, which I don't know if you guys ever saw Newsreaders, but good old Alan Tudyk is in Newsreaders, and it's hilarious farce on um, kind of like uh, it, it was on at the same time as like Children's Hospital and other stuff that was just like 15 minutes long on Adult Swim and um, it's award Emmy award winning so check out news readers if you want a little Alan Tudyk one of my favorite guys from uh, Firefly and I guess he was on one of those those episodes so speaking of Firefly he was also on an episode of Castle with our good buddy Nathan Fillion so, yeah, so he's got a little Whedon stuff going on, including Agent Carter, which Marvel's Agent Carter is one of my all-time favorite, another short-lived show, but mm. with a fantastic female lead. And even within the last season, the evil character is also a female. So there's a lot of, like, cool female leads and strong female parts and... um I just absolutely love Agent Carter. That character is one of my sort of, I have a picture of her up in my kitchen and I, and I sort of look at her to get, gain some strength and power Aww. from her power and beauty. And she says she knows her, she knows her worth. That's like one mm. of her things that she says in her, that I always remember. It's like, I know my worth. Hmm. And that just like, like really yeah. <laughs> really sits right <laughs> so um beyond uh him being busy in a lot of different movies and tv shows that seem to be varied and sort of lean in the science fiction or creepy factor 
He was also in something that caught my eye, another short called Used Body Parts. Mm. And so besides <laughs> the name kind of sticking out, it's from 2016, so not too long ago. But he plays the gas man. <laughs> and used body parts, it says, is a group of friends fight for their lives and body parts Ooh. when they stop at a gas station and uh, where the owners have a horrific ulterior agenda. So anyways, he's uh, a little typecast here, I guess. Maybe they, they saw him doing such a great job here as Mordecai and put him in here as a as gas man so yeah that's another little quick look at what tim desarn's done and how he's connected to this part and and to joss and and it looks like he's got a lot of cool different things he's done what kind of stuff did you notice in old minute 13 well, as long as we're on the subject of Tim Dazarn, I was a little concerned about his eyeball. And yes. um, Heidi had a, a good tricked out version of uh, Cabin in the Woods that we got to review the minutes together that's a little brighter, a little lighter, so you can see a lot more detail. And, and even though his eyes looked, well, just he had crazy eye, you know, when I was seeing it at home. <laughs> it's very red and looks irritated. Yeah, it looks a lot more, more irritated. More bloodshot. Yeah, there's a, it, it just looks way worse. <laughs> Blown up. <laughs> so I was concerned. I'm like, is that, and then I felt a little guilty because I'm like, is that just how Tim Dazarn looks or did they just do the makeup to make one eyeball look kind of bloodshot? So apparently that's not how he looks normally. That's just this is just the character. So in case anyone was concerned, that's just how he looks in real life. It's not. <laughs> as far as we know, everything's fine and dandy with Tim, Tim's eyes, Tim's eyeballs. Yes. I did get to see that picture you threw up though, of, uh, Alan Tudyk as the, the newscaster. Yeah. And it's, he, he looks like a newscaster, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's great. He can really pull off a lot of looks. <laughs> He's very versatile. Yes. Was it Tucker and Dave? Tucker and Dale. Dale. Yeah. Thank you. Tucker and Dale. And yeah, he's all like beefed out, but he's kind of beefed out for Alpha too, though, in Dollhouse. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Tucker and Dale and Dollhouse, those things mm -hmm. all might come up in for further conversations yes. as we as we go through this this that's, movie that's a little common little cookies common connections <laughs> it's an alan cookie <laughs> um <laughs> so still on the subject of uh tim desarn and uh mordecai slash the harbinger the first top end of this episode starts with an epic tobacco spit take the man gets some real distance on this and with the sound effect is so gross <laughs> <laughs> and it's beautiful because marty just follows the trajectory all the way down to the ground and stops for a minute and is like okay well we're we're done now so good luck with your business sir <laughs> yeah anything that they can do to enhance that epically nasty spit take and also what's great on digital is you really get a, a good sense of all the goo around the mouth which we talked about last yes. week and and i really can see you you really get that you really really get that it's blown a up. visceral experience on a nice big screen man <laughs> my favorite thing about this minute is that we're leaving the harbinger <laughs> 
just unsettling. So yeah, this last uh, little section here with the Harbinger's kind of a Marty section as he bids him adieu, calls him a fucker under his breath, mm-hmm. and floats away. And one thing I was noticing there was uh, that they've really got him layered. Like, Marty has five layers of shirts, whether it's a t-shirt, a hoodie, um, a cardigan, or one of his kind of button-up shirts. He's got a lot of layers, and I guess what they said in the book and IMDb is that actually the reason they needed to do that and also why later on Fran Krantz is all covered up and doesn't go swimming with the gang when they're uh, in a future minute when they're all hanging out at the, the lake is that Fran Krantz is actually quite <laughs> built quite <laughs> swole <laughs> if you will and uh cut and um i guess what was it that uh you said that that joss said about him yes joss whedon said that he is ripped like the lord jesus <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of get a touch of that when he stands up to the harbinger here you kind of see his chest and you can see that maybe under those layers there's a a nice uh nice well-built young gentleman so so yeah that that may be the reason that we're getting some layers uh to kind of cover that up and make him look a bit more like this stoner dude yeah yeah anything else about fran at this moment i know we're gonna you know luckily see a lot more of him well, in my escapades with research, I came across a interview with Drew Goddard from April 10th, 2010 from Filmmaker Magazine, and he did chat a little bit about, and this goes back to something that Heidi brought up a few episodes back about the shifting of characters' archetypes. And so his quote was, all of our kids had to play two roles, the character and the archetype. And he was talking about Fran's character being that he started out as the archetype, i.e. the stoner, and then had to become the character. And everyone else starts out as real, fully formed characters, and then they become archetypes. And so what we're kind of seeing here, and it really even in the last week, is him shifting from the stoner archetype into the character getting a little bit more humor, getting a little bit more depth, him calling out uh, the Harbinger for being profoundly antiquated in a multitude of ways of, you know, the I hear the railroads coming in and it could be streets paved with streets. So, <laughs> you know, yes, that's the fool. That's also the comedy, but that also, you know, shows that he's an intelligent and an educated individual that he can, you know, make that kind of play. The other thing that Drew had mentioned that Fran Kranz really understood what they were trying to do and they didn't have to really coach him. They just kind of let his instincts take over and he knew how to manage it from there. Cool. Yeah. One thing too that I was thinking about was, you know, he's supposed to be the, the fool mm. and that historically somebody like the fool or the jester or the clown those were people that were supposed to be able to get away with saying real truths mm. of life, but in such a humorous way and sort of a way in which that would keep everybody in check, mm-hmm. you know, from the king on down. So historically, he would be the person who had the most 
knowledge of what was really going on and, you know, kind of call that out. So I thought that was a little interesting, too, to think of it that way. Like, oh, yeah, so consistently this this fool is really giving us what's what. You know, he sees the underlying bullshit and calls it out <laughs> on a pretty consistent level here from the beginning. If we'd only listened to the fool from the beginning, we all might make a few different choices. Right. And I think that's also a, an interesting observation that even within the archetype, right? So you have this sense of him being a broader character, but the archetype itself is also... And it has an innate intelligence to it. It has the prophylactic of truth, as you were saying, <laughs> where uh, we're just getting icing on the cake. But the, the function remains the same, whether it be the character or the archetype for Marty. Yeah, so that's a lot of good stuff to chew on. And I, I'm glad that we'll have a lot more minutes and a lot more wisdom and funny asides coming from this this character. As the guys take off in the Rambler and get away from the Harbinger. They've got, you know, gas, at least enough to get them there. And on the way back, that's that's up to them, right? But for <laughs> now, <laughs> we really get to see something quite beautiful. And they're driving away from sort of this crusty, dried, creepy person and area <laughs> into these pastoral beautiful fir trees just you know as tall as the sky really gorgeous and the music sort of swells up at this point and so it made me think a little bit more about who the composer is so I was looking into that on good old IMDB so I didn't you know go into intense research mode I went to our trusty IMDb. So it's David Julian, J-U-L-Y-A-N. He's worked in music for quite a long time. One of the other collaborators that he's worked with a lot is Christopher Nolan. So I really like that because, as I mentioned in the past, the interesting people stories, <laughs> aka person of interest... That was developed by Jonathan Nolan, and so he's worked with Jonathan and Christopher on a lot of stuff that people would recognize, like The Prestige and Memento. Some of my favorite movies from those guys. Yeah, but he's worked in the music department and, and has quite a lot of um, credits for music in general. But then also I noticed, oh, he's got one acting credit. So I checked on that. And that's actually from another Christopher Nolan movie that I remember watching after Memento. Man, Memento is not easy to say. It really isn't. You really get stuck on the ma 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 Memento. So after Memento came out, <laughs> I looked back at what this guy had done previously. And in 1998, a crime mystery thriller called Following. So Following is described as a young writer who follows strangers for material meets a thief who takes him under his wing. So you don't really get too much of an idea of it is, but it's like he's following strangers to kind of prompt his writings, mm -hmm. you know, potential storylines and stuff like that. And then he meets a thief and 
hijinks ensue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was an early work by Christopher Nolan. So one thing I noticed, which it gets a little confusing, and now I can really see why. And I started to put the pieces together here that there's also an actor that's part of Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan's family, which is their uncle, John Nolan. <laughs> so John Nolan, more of a distinguished silver-haired gentleman who was in <laughs> Following, he's in several of their other movies, several of the movies that Christopher Nolan directed. And then Jonathan Nolan, a.k.a. Jonathan Jonah Nolan, I don't have heard anybody call him Jonah, he's the screenwriter. So he's the one that wrote my television series I seem to not be able to remember or forget <laughs> talking about, which is Person of Interest, now known as Interesting People Stories. He's the co-creator of Westworld. He adapted the short story Memento Mori into Memento, which together they co-wrote Prestige and then and Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises and then also Interstellar. So he and Christopher have co-written quite a few things together. Ah, it all comes together one way or another. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all a family of of Johns and Nolans and Chris's and, and Christophers and, and good <laughs> lord prestiges and dreams and <laughs> as far as we know nobody's a replicant or a, a com computer generated whatever whatever. Yeah. So that's my little tangent, but I really like the music here in this part. Mm. This It's quite pastoral and beautiful, and it just, it, it really nicely works with the, the cinematography. Yes, and speaking of cinematography, the DP, Director of Photography, is Peter Deming. And Peter Deming is super rad, because not only has he worked with David Lynch, but he's also worked with Sam Raimi. So in working with David Lynch, he is currently working on Twin Peaks, which is going on right now, 2017. He shot Mulholland Drive, and he also shot Lost Highway. And so one of the reasons why Drew hired him was because he really liked what Mulholland Drive looked like. And he was also looking for kind of adapting how that movie looks into this one. And one of the things he was talking about in that article from Filmmaker Magazine that I was uh, talking about earlier was that he didn't want the shaky camera style. And so not that there's anything wrong with the shaky camera style, but it's that handheld look that you probably know from Blair Witch and, and other flicks and often is incorporated into horror movies. And so he wanted something to balance out. The narrative gets so crazy and uh, he wanted to have some visual grounding for that. So rolling back to Peter Deming, he also worked with, like I said, Sam Raimi. And so he was the DP on the movie From Hell, also Evil Dead 2. And so we also have a very nice Evil Dead visual reference here, Cabin in the Woods. Um, he was also the DP on Scream in 3 and 4. He was the DP on Scream 3 and 4. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a fail. <laughs> One of the things about doing a podcast and recording it is you just have to get really comfortable with having some mumbles and fumbles. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. I had gas of the mouth, people. Totally. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> Peter Deming is no stranger to the horror genre. 
as we have heard that he was part of the David Lynch slash Sam Raimi jam. Yeah, and I love that because I also really associate them. Of course, obviously, we're getting the Cabin in the Woods, so obviously there's a major Raimi thing going on. But both of them, him and David Lynch, are so familiar with getting out into those trees, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Look at those furs. You know, look at those Douglas furs. <laughs> look at those Douglas those furs. Douglas furs. So you can really see how this all comes together with this beautiful overhead shot, which today would probably be done with a drone or something, right? Yes. And it's interesting you mentioned that because as I was doing research, I was like, oh, I want to find some more information about this aerial shot that takes place, which again, if you guys checked out the commentary was a high ticket item. Uh, for production. And what came up in a search was people who had uploaded drone footage. Like, and I thought that was interesting that, yeah, that's probably where we would see that now. And it does lend this very voyeuristic view, which we're going to get, which we got a little bit last couple minutes. We're going to get again in these next couple of minutes of this sense that these folks are being watched, which they are. <laughs> uh, so that really does reinforce that idea. Even though it's beautiful, these folk are being watched. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about this minute? We're, we're right now we're just rolling through the beautiful trees and that's kind of where we're left. We're watching the Rambler kind of move just towards this little opening it looks just about rambler size right it's not too much taller than the rambler maybe a few feet yeah it just looks like a super dodgy pass like something that you really shouldn't be driving through at all yeah just it's a death trap oh and it is oh my god so yeah this cuts off just where jules is saying hey guys take a look it's kind of funny where these minutes cut off and that's where it just ends. So you don't get to see what, what it's all about. It's just, hey, guys, take a look at nothing. I was kind of wondering if she was talking about them being, like, right on the edge. Or if she's looking... Oh, at the, the like, birdie? Because right now they're looking... They're Right now, where the Rambler is, it's driving, like... It reminds me of uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula uh-huh. when he goes to goes out there. There's a lot of... Um, I mean, in that, he's in, like, a... carriage a carriage but like he looks out the window of the carriage at a certain point and it's like right over the edge oh right yes that's what this kind of reminds me Uh, of so i was kind of wondering if she was look going like hey look we're like living on the edge right here living on the edge living on the edge i think of bram stoker's dracula and all the vampire ladies he's got in the basement mm-hmm. we're just chilling in the basement yeah do they do anything do they go get like hamburgers or he just like rolls down to the basement and they have some weird group sex and he goes back upstairs and <laughs> flakes on the furniture or something yeah there's some kind of like witch ladies or something i think yeah that, who just, just like <laughs> i just fucking kicking witch ladies <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's all I had for this minute. How about you? Yeah, that's that's all, folks. And that's all, folks. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. So we were talking about the fact that it's almost Halloween. We're just like a day or two away or something. Yeah. 
And um, I actually have been invited to a Halloween party this year, which I'm pretty excited Ooh. about. A costume soiree. So nice. We'll see if uh, at this recording here we haven't gotten anything together, but we'll see if Brian and I can pull something out. Awesome. <laughs> Maybe we'll be a couple of big, big Wookie, Wookie people, <laughs> <laughs> or Bigfoot, Big Feets. That's awesome. <laughs> couple of wood apes. <laughs> the Boo and I are going to be Jawas nice. this year because we're we're low riders. We're short people, so we can I think pass as children. Nice. Um, yeah, so we're going to end up going to this ravey party thing that we normally go to. And we're staying in a haunted hotel Ooh, that night. Ooh, nice. So I might be touched by some sort of non-corporeal oh being. Oh, my God. Which I don't really want to be touched by a non-corporeal <laughs> being. I might just salt the doorway like that does anything. But I'm like, you guys need to go not do that to me while I'm trying to... T- I'm like, I'm hungover. Leave me alone. <laughs> but I guess they do that up in there. Oh, cool. <laughs> I look forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, totally. So on that note, we were hoping that you guys would share with us, maybe in our group, Gabin in the Woods on Facebook. Oh, man. <laughs> or on Twitter at Cabin Minute Cast or on Instagram at Cabin Minute Cast. A couple of things. One, if you dress up, whether it's the Cabin in the Woods related or not, we'd love to see your costumes and we'd be happy to retweet your costume. And um, so any costume sharers out there, we'd love to see what kind of cosplay and costume stuff you get up to. So just at us and we'll uh, we'll comment and share and, and just, you know, get into it. And then also, if you have certain favorite spooky movies or atmospheric mystery, creepy, skin crawling kind of horror flicks that you love to watch this season, besides The Cabin in the Woods, what are some of your favorite movies? And maybe let us know why uh, at all of our socials. Yeah, just let us know. Uh, we also have an email address, which is cabinminutecast at gmail.com. And you can always find us at our website, which is cabinminutecast.com. So, yeah, share your stuff. Uh, we'd love to see it. And I think that's about it for me for episode 13. Yay! So, thanks for tuning in to episode 13. And we will see you back at the cabin. Mm-hmm.